0: we were forbidden to go to scripture or learn about the Lord because Dad thought it would corrupt us and he didn't want our minds corrupted by religion. And so, in a way, it felt really good and free because you felt like you could do anything you like. Because I thought there was no God, I would think nothing of stealing money out of Mum's purse and and I was rude and cheeky and, and entitled and I was a horrible child. Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's Real People, Real Life and Real Faith
1: with Eric Scatterbo. Barbara Holland's father was a communist and she was brought up as a strict atheist by her parents. She went on to be a famous artist and lived a hippie lifestyle on a farm with her husband. But that all came to an abrupt end when her marriage fell apart. But she found a new beginning and an extraordinary adventure when she gave her heart to the Lord. Appropriately, her book is called Lord, I Give You My Heart, and she'll share her story with us today. Barbara Holland, welcome to the program.
0: I'm glad to be here, Eric.
1: Glad to have you with us. And where are you joining us from today?
0: Um, I live in a little town called Northcliffe in the southwest of WA. It's a tiny town with about two hundred people.
1: Okay. Well, I'm interested to hear your story and tell us about your childhood, being brought up by strict atheist parents. What was that like?
0: Well, we had my sister and I had the best childhood. It was we had uh, my dad was fifty four and mum was forty when they met at a communist mm-hmm. party meeting, and they had me and my sister. And though my dad, even though he was an atheist communist, was a very kind man full of integrity Mm -hmm. and very loving and kind but he told us about 50 times a day while banging his fist on the table there is no god because he'd been to the first world war and seen all the suffering and lost his faith and just couldn't believe that a loving god could allow such suffering so but we we actually had a a really good childhood dad cleared 10 acres in morley in in the city and um, planted a market garden orchard and um we just had a, a really free happy lovely childhood and um the only thing missing was god hmm. my dad used to sit us on, us on his knee and read us poetry he loved poetry and he was very kind and and loving but and so was mum they were very simple hard-working people but they just were were deceived by communism
1: now when you went to school did you learn about the Lord there?
0: well we weren't allowed we were forbidden to have any to go to scripture or learn about the Lord because dad thought it would corrupt us and he didn't want our minds corrupted by religion mm-hmm. and so in a way it felt really good and free because you felt like you could do anything you like where there was no God because and I was very I was quite spoilt because I knew Dad loved me, but I was like, because I thought there was no God, I would think nothing of stealing money mm. out of Mum's purse, and, and I was rude and cheeky and, and entitled, and I was, I was a horrible child. Mm. But I, I was happy because I basically did what I liked.
1: But yet you were artistic, and you would draw religious icons or something like I that? I did,
0: for some strange reason. I think I must have had a craving to know about God, because I used to just draw... Crucifixes and Jesus and religious uh, angels and things like that. When I just must have had a, um, it must have been what was missing in me. So,
1: and did you pray?
0: And when, yeah, every night I used to pray to God, I used to pray for protection for little children. For some reason, I because dad used to tell us things like if the world tipped one half an inch off its axis, it would just go spiraling off into space, and he thought that was. Good to, I don't know why he told us that made us really insecure. So, (laughs) yeah, so I would be praying, Lord, save little children from earthquakes and tidal waves, and don't let the earth spin off its axis. And so, yeah,
1: it's so interesting. You had strict atheist parents, but yet you found yourself praying.
0: I know it it, it must be ingrained in all of us in our Mm -hmm. DNA. I think, yeah,
1: yeah. So, we mentioned that you are artistic, you really excelled in this area.
0: Yeah, so just all my life since I was a child, I've always drawn and scribbled, and all my school books were just scribbled on, and pictures of girls and uh, women and things like that. And I've, I've always drawn, and I've always been talented in that area. I suppose it's a gift, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And in your teenage years, you had a best friend named Kevin?
0: Yeah, Kevin and I, um, we used to just hang around together. We were We were just good friends. We weren't boyfriend or girlfriend, just good friends, and mm-hmm. he... Eventually became a Christian many years later, and used to always try and convert me. But with no, with, with, but I was just like quite hard in that way. And I, I used to tell people, yeah, Kevin, I really like him, except he's a Christian. So uh,
1: you weren't interested at that point.
0: <laughs> well, not at all.
1: Okay. So meanwhile, you eventually got married.
0: Yeah, we got married, and we we lived up in um, in the hills in a little sort of hobby farm, and we were. You know, we had every sort of animal you could think of, hmm. and um, I used to make my own soap and make you know, milk the goats, make goats cheese, and all that sort of stuff, and do everything the hard way, like just rainwater tanks for water and a generator for, for electricity and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it was quite a pleasant lifestyle.
1: And meanwhile, you were holding exhibitions for your art.
0: Yes, yes, I used to have exhibitions. Um, I didn't start painting. I went to art school when I was about 16, and then I went back when I was 40. So I started having exhibitions after that. That was not until I was 40 and the kids had all left home. I started painting then and having exhibitions. And how did you do? Yeah, did really well. Always had sell-out exhibitions. Everyone loved my work, so I was blessed in that way.
1: So life was going good. You had your hobby farm. You're doing all these natural things. Uh, Unfortunately, you had drugs, a lot of drugs were common on the farm.
0: Well, we were hippies and we just, they, you know, we just, all the hippies, all our friends and that, we just thought, what are these boundaries for? We, you know, we don't need them. We don't need these boundaries. And and so, we would just, you know, anything goes. Hmm. And then... Down the track, we we discovered why the boundary fences were put up, and, yeah. and when marriage when marriages started breaking down, when people started overdosing on drugs, and yeah. we realized why why there were boundaries, and yeah
1: and speaking of marriages breaking up, that's what happened to you.
0: Yeah, eventually my marriage broke up when I was fifty five, and that's what led me to Jesus because I was devastated. I had no place to go. I'd been into all this new age stuff before that and I'd tried every single new age oh, religion you could think of mm-hmm. and they would they would be quite good for a month or two and then they'd wear off and then you'd get another one and but they they didn't help me when my marriage broke up. They didn't they didn't give me peace. They didn't comfort me. There was no, you know, it was just they didn't help me at all. Hmm. And so a friend, my friend Kevin asked me, well, suggested I go to his brother's church. His brother was a pastor in Bibra Lake. So I went to, uh, I was so desperate, and so I would have done anything. Mm -hmm. And so I I thought, I'll try this, I'll go to church. And when I went there, it was like a big Pentecostal church. I've never been to one before. I don't think I'd I'd only been to, sat in sort of nominal churches before that. So I Mm -hmm. had no idea that. What a Pentecostal church was like and I just was as soon as I walked in I just loved the atmosphere and they were singing Lord, I give you my heart mm-hmm. with that song by Darlene Cech from mm-hmm. Hillsong and and as I heard the words it was like something broke in me. I felt like there was a a Hard shell on my heart that was breaking away and I, I sense that there was something sweet underneath the shell and mm. the, the next day Jim Wallace, the pastor, he called me up on the phone and took me through the sinner's prayer. And as soon as I went through that prayer, I was a different person. I just knew there was a presence living in me all of a sudden that had never been there before. And I just, I just knew that it was the answer. And I just, from that moment on, my life just changed 180 degrees.
1: Now, you were still hoping that your marriage could be saved at that point.
0: Oh, I said, yeah, because it was in the three months when my husband actually like I was hoping that my, that my marriage would still work but in that 3 months I prayed on my face cried just begged the lord for my marriage and I could feel I could feel god's comfort I could feel he was sorry for me I could just feel the pity mm-hmm. and he was with me through that time of praying and crying and he he brought me through it to something better and stronger. It's you know I'm, I feel much. I'm glad I had that experience because it made me so close to him.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, some verses in the Book of Isaiah really comforted you.
0: Oh yeah, yes, that's the um. When I read that, the Lord is your husband. The Lord of Israel is His name. I I will take you back like a wife who was. Married young and deserted in old age, and I'll bring you back to me, or But mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. it was like it was just speaking straight to me, and I just felt so happy. <laughs> yeah. Comfort
1: so, in, in the and, Old Testament, that's referring to Israel, yes, and their relationship with God as the yes. husband and yes. Israel as the wife. But for you, yes. it was much more personal because it was your situation of not having a husband, but having god be your husband in a sense
0: absolutely and i've met dozens of women who've had that same experience who've had broke you know they've had come to that scripture, it's like it's it's just speaks straight to their hearts mm-hmm.
1: and you wrote a poem shortly after you became a christian
0: yes it's it's called his sweet plan um i'll read it out heavenly father you made bitter water sweet one day in mara you planned a loving savior from the start a crystal river flowing from a sacrificial lamb makes bitter water sweet in every heart, and like Elijah throwing salt to cleanse a spring of brackish water, you healed and cleansed my broken heart, you crowned my head and called me daughter.
1: That's beautiful. And every Thank line you. has a different verse from the Bible yes. that you put in. So obviously you were a student yeah. of the word at that point in your life as well.
0: Um once I asked Jesus into my heart, I just got a got a craving to know the Word. And it was just like I just went into it instantly. It was like I instantly became a a Christian, a full-blown Christian, as soon as I asked Jesus into my heart.
1: Our guest today is Barbara Holland, who is sharing her remarkable life journey and how she's gone from living a hippie lifestyle to living for the Lord and sharing her faith wherever she goes. Her book is called, Lord, I Give You My Heart. Stories, poems, prayers, and paintings to glorify God. And we'll hear more of Barbara's story when we return right here on Real Faith.
0: The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional,
1: designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus.
0: Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. You're listening to Real Faith
1: Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo and today I'm chatting with Barbara Holland, who's joining us from the small town of Northcliffe in Western Australia. Before the break, we heard how Barbara gave her heart to the Lord. Next we're going to hear how God has been working in her life and about the time she shared her faith with others. Tell us about the time that your fence needed fixing.
0: Oh, yes, that's <laughs> Well, when my marriage broke up, I moved down to Albany, mm-hmm. most beautiful place in WA. And um after I'd been there about six months, I think, a, a big storm blew in and it, it blew down the my... I had a long picket fence that went along and joining my house to an old heritage house next door and it blew over. And so because I was just like, first time I was on my own, I thought, well, I'll try and fix it myself. So I, I just went and got some tools out of the shed and I was trying to prop it up and that and I just it was impossible. Mm. And so in the end, I just threw, I had a big sledgehammer. I don't know why I had that, but I threw the sledgehammer down the ground and I said, I can't do it. And I looked up and pointed up at the sky, at God, and I went, you fix it. <laughs> and I just shouted angrily. And so the next day, I, the storm had cleared and it was a nice day. So I, I only lived a couple of minutes away from Middleton Beach. Which was the most beautiful beach down there. So i drove down and went for a swim i used to take my boogie board and and boogie board over the little waves and so knew anyway, i was coming out of the water and all of a sudden i heard the holy spirit say to me go and say hello to that man over there and i looked over and there was this little short man sitting under the gazebo a little italian man i found out later sitting under the gazebo so first of all i thought no, how embarrassing. I'm not going to do that. But then I thought, no, I've got to be obedient. God's just told me. So I went over. And as I got to him, he was looking eagerly towards me like he was waiting for me. And I got to him. I didn't have even have to say anything. And he said, you need anything A fix? I do it for a free. Wow. And so then I, next minute, I had his bike and my boot and my car hanging up the back. I drove back to my place. He sent me down the hardware store to get a box of six-inch nails. He fixed the whole length of fences, a long half-acre block, and put a, like an aesthetic wave in it that made it even better. Oh, wow. And then he crawled around on my roof, cleaned out all my gutters, pruned my mulberry tree, gave me some fish. He had a bucket of fish. And then rode off on his bike, his name was Paul, rode off on his bike and he wouldn't let me pay him or give him any money. And that. So then a few days later, the lady from the, the Stone Heritage House next door left a dozen eggs on my back step and said, thank you for fixing the fence. And so I wrote a long note telling this story how I've told it to you now. Yeah. And I put it in her letterbox saying it wasn't me that fixed the fence, it was God using a little old Italian man. And she never, she I, I never saw her after that. She, I think she used to hide from me, <laughs> <laughs> thinking I was a bit crazy.
1: So he was just a blessing to you.
0: Yeah, God had sent him. It must have been like, why? I mean, it's just, it's a mystery.
1: Yeah. So you meet a lot of people. I mean, you just naturally share your faith. It's part of who you are. Is that right?
0: yeah i like I'm a relationship yield sort of person. I like talking to people mm-hmm. and I'm a fanatical evangelist as well. so the two together it's like i just I just want everyone in heaven. I don't want people to go to hell
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: so I just and i love people as well. I love talking to them even if I don't evangelize I just like them.
1: well, tell us about the time you were really looking forward to having some Chinese takeaway for dinner.
0: Oh yeah, that was like. And then when I lived in Albany and my mum was in the nursing home there, it was um, Glen Craig Nursing Home, so I'd been to visit her and it was getting dark. And I was really hungry and I thought I'll just get Chinese takeaway because mm-hmm. it was a nice, good Chinese shop in the town. So and then I saw this girl walking along by the side of the road. I thought it was a young teenage girl and she was looking around so I pulled up and I said, do you want me to give you a lift? Where are you going? So she got in the car. And then mm. I realised she was in her 30s probably. She And then she started telling me all her problems about her children had been taken away from her and a violent boyfriend. And, mm. and five minutes later, we got to where she was staying. It was just a hostel. And so as she got out of the car, I just called out, always remember that Jesus loves you. And then I got such a shock because she jumped back in the car and she started grabbing my T-shirt and shaking it and calling out, Tell me that again. Tell me what you said about Jesus loving me. And just desperate, desperate yeah. like. And um, I was like taken aback. I just didn't know what to say. And I said, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? And she was like, yes. <laughs> and so I took her through the sinner's prayer and she said it with such enthusiasm. And and, the, and after that, I, um, I prayed for her, I put my hand on her and prayed for her. And, and then she said to me, when you murmured over me, just then it felt so good so she'd obviously never been prayed over didn't even know it was called prayer yeah and then she kissed me on the cheek and just went running off into the distance and i, and I just sat there and i just felt like jesus when after he'd witnessed to the woman at the well and mm-hmm. the disciples came back and they said uh where can we get food and he said i have food that you know nothing about i just felt i don't want chinese i don't want anything i've got no appetite i have just have food that only God can give. It was just beautiful.
1: Yes, you had heavenly food, I guess you could say. Heavenly
0: food, yes, heavenly food.
1: Wow. And the mm. thing that's so interesting about that story, you had no idea what was going on. Well, she had shared a little bit about her problems. But when yes. you just said, you know, Jesus loves you, yeah, I mean, it just
0: touched yeah, just, something. I just, flung it, I just flung it after her. I yeah. just thinking, Oh I haven't even had a chance to tell her any, you know it's too it's all happened so soon. Yeah. So I just flung that to just mention Jesus name as as she got out of the car and it had it just shows the effect of his name.
1: Yeah, the power but, of mm, his name. The
0: power, the power of his name. Yeah. to someone who's desperate.
1: Well, another person that you met this time, it was in a hospital, tell us about the 90-year-old Polish man named Stanley.
0: Yeah, this is my favorite testimony of all is it's just it even melts my own heart when i think of it mm-hmm. i and the whole story is like i started having heart palpitations i went to the doctor the doctor they sent me up to bunbury to get my heart checked mm-hmm. so i'd been on the on the thing where they check your heart and it turned out there was nothing wrong with my heart but then i, I had to pay them then I, I had to go to the medicare place next door to the hospital to get a refund so i was sitting in the medicare office waiting for my refund and it was full of people and an old polish man came and sat next to me and as he sat down he said it's not fun getting old and so i said to him well god has to wean us off our bodies and we want to go to heaven and he said but i don't think i'm going there Mm. and i said but don't you believe in jesus and he said well i was brought up a catholic and i don't believe in confessing your sins to a priest so i said well no that won't get you to heaven And then my number got called out, and I went and got my refund. And when I came back, he said, I knew you'd come back. And I said, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? And he said, yes. So I put my hand on his arm, and I took him through the sinner's prayer with everyone he looking at, (laughs) having a good look. Some people were smiling, some people were frowning. And um, so he admitted that he was a sinner. He admitted that Jesus had died on the cross recently. He asked Jesus to forgive him, and he... um, he went through the sinner's prayer and mm-hmm. so, and then he said, Your hand felt really hot on my arm. I said, Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. So then we had a, a long chat and he told me how he'd been a truck driver all his life and his wife had died recently and he really missed her. And, and, um, he just chatted about this and that. And then I had to go because I had to drive back to where I live, which was about two and a half hours from mm-hmm. Bunbury. Anyway, so. Two months later, it was about exactly two months later, I was just sitting, I sit on the floor to do my prayers and so Mm -hmm. I was just sitting on the floor doing my morning prayers and I said, God, I wonder how Stanley's going. And then I thought to myself, well, how will I ever know? I only know his first name, I don't know his second name. And then I heard a voice in my head say, Polish community in Bunbury. So I quickly jumped up and Googled it and found a phone number for Polish community in Bunbury, so I rang it. And a woman answered the phone on the first ring and I said, I'm looking for an old Polish man called Stanley and she said, Yes, it's his funeral today. She said, I don't know how well you knew him, but he's been very sick for a long time, but for the last two months he's been at peace. Wow. And so so that was just such a it was like God showing me just that he that, you know, <laughs> just the end of the you know, yes, yes he he did yes, he was at peace, and now he's with me, sort of thing,
1: mm, yeah, and mm. l- the Lord uh. used you just at that right moment in his life,
0: oh, and I forgot to say, I never got any heart murmurs again after that, so it must yeah. be, I felt like God had given me those heart murmurs, so he knew I'd be sitting next to Stanley, because huh. he knew that he yeah. knew that I'd witness to him because I always witness to anyone I get a chance to, wow. so wow. Mm.
1: wow that is a great story I love that mm. and then also I mean all these people you meet that was in a medical center there let's now go to the time you met somebody in a dentist waiting room Duncan I guess is his name
0: Duncan yes yeah I um, um I had a uh, my tooth broke and I had to go to the Morley government dental place you, you have to get there like first in first served you get there mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock in the morning so I got there and I was sitting waiting and started talking to this guy who was sitting next to me, and he told me his name was Duncan. And um, anyway, just told me his whole life story that he'd been um, in the defense Wow, people force just
1: open up to you, just but out of the blue, it I, sounds like.
0: I, I know, I know, <laughs> I'm ex- because I'm extra friendly, I guess. Well, but that's anyways, good.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, he just told me how I was in the defense force, in the army, and because of the stress of the whole thing, he had a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. He went to... Um, he went to hospital and fell in love with a nurse, and she moved in with him. But after a while, she moved out and dropped him, sort of thing. And and he said that, and he'd never got over it. And it was 20 years ago. Wow! So, she
1: broke his heart, huh?
0: She broke his heart, and he would never. It was like foremost in his mind. He, you could see when he was talking about her, it's like he he just was still hadn't got over it. He was still grieving. 20 and years so,
1: later, he's still grieving for her. Yes.
0: Tw- I know. Amazing. Hmm. And so, then I went into the dentist. And when I came out, he was standing at the desk mm-hmm. at the same time as I was. And, and so, he had to go to the radiologist, and um, I um, offered to give him a lift there. And mm-hmm. so, as we got to the radiologist, who pulled up. I didn't even park. I just pulled up right in front of the door. I said, Duncan, do you want to la- ask Jesus into your heart? And he said, yes. So I took him through the sinner's prayer, and after I'd taken him through the prayer, he just started sobbing and crying and just it couldn't control himself. It was just mm. crying and crying. And then when he stopped, he said, 20 years of resentment have just fallen off me. Wow. Yeah.
1: For such a time as this, you were placed yeah. there. Yeah. He had been grieving for 20 years, and you helped him get that healing.
0: Yeah. And I rang him a couple of weeks later, I got his number, and he said, He just hadn't stopped praying since that day.
1: Wow. I could listen to your stories all day, Barbara. Thank you so much for sharing your life story as well as all these adventures you've had as well. Thank you so much.
0: You're so welcome, Eric. I loved sharing my stories.
1: Our guest today has been Barbara Holland, and her book is called Lord, I Give You My Heart, Stories, Poems, Prayers, and Paintings to Glorify God, and it's available on Kindle.